Hi, folks. Uh, just a quick warning, I guess, about this week's interview. I mean, it's nothing major, but, you know, I, I, I like to put these in when they're applicable. Uh, this week, we will have some discussion of ADHD, ableism, polyamory, and COVID-19 during the interview section. It's a great interview, and it's all sort of like minor mention stuff, but be warned. The other thing to be warned about, two of three is that we live in a house with animals and uh, cats, dogs. It's daylight out. The chickens are still outside and sometimes very vocal about that. Um, the orange cat is decamping her spot on my laptop for the first time all day. Woo! So there's a thing. Uh, so animal interruptions happen. There's even a notable point where Ernie makes himself very, very... Tragic. Yes, in the interview. Uh, and the final warning is that we swear. Oh, yes. And so there is a chance you are going to hear naughty words the FCC won't let you broadcast on open airwaves. So just brace yourself. Brace yourself. Do you think anybody actually fucking notices anymore? Ah. Uh. Anyway, welcome to Productivity Ep Alchemy episode 152. We have a great interview this week with my dear friend, Amy Toby, who uh, we did this just after her amazing presentation at, um, uh, oh, now suddenly I can't remember the name of it, um, at ResilienceCon, or ResiliencyCon, something like that. I, it's linked, her presentation is linked in the show notes. It was really, really good, and it was a lot of fun to talk to Amy, uh, and we'll we'll get to more about that in a bit. So, uh, how has your week been going? I uh, I think it's been good. I once again find myself in the position of being like, I don't remember a lot of it. It just kind of the days went by and then they were over. And I seem to have I'm I'm working on editing this book. I need to work on a book cover. Uh, but like. I am working and I am gardening, and that is all I do. Gonna have to get another co-host soon. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, I don't have enough, you know, interesting. Uh, 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 today it was the weather was so nice. I was like, screw it, forget the book until this evening. I'm just gonna work in the garden all day. Yeah, and uh, the the last two days. We're very gray. Oh yeah, it rained like very all rainy. day. So I sat and worked on the book see i had some motivation problems because of it i had to take naps the gray still knocks me down yeah it was uh it was very hard to stay focused the last two days for me uh which was a little weird because i had stuff i was sort of interested in working on but they were also kind of like really frustrating challenging so i'm not sure if that was part of it got solved today Yay! That was the cool bit. Uh, I discovered another bug in our test code. So. Bravo! Yeah. Um, so I'm testing, I was testing the tests essentially, uh, which is good. It's good that we find those. It's I am getting the, they get addressed. the point on this book where I'm like, oh God, surely this is terrible and everyone will hate it once they read it. So. Uh, oh, great. That means I'm getting a copy soon. Uh, basically this evening. Okay. Yes. I, it can be next in line after I finish. Um, don't give me that look. I I am 
two thirds of the way through the final season of Book Burners, and I really want to finish that. And I, if I interrupt the story at, at this point, it's gonna jar me. I'll do it. Believe me, that is tonight's. After all this is done, finish book burners, read your thing. Okay. Is this a, a full thing or is this the the I've hit the thirty thousand word mark and everything is terrible? No, this is this is the full bread wizard book, except I uh, once we are done recording I have to go write in a paragraph or two because apparently like it's it's I don't know, it's not enoughing. The monarchy has failed and the main character just isn't acknowledging its failure enough. This is the problem when you're trying to write a book or edit a book as civilization is, you know, crumbling around you. And also your copy editor is an anarcho-communist who keeps recommending you change the word monarch to parasite on the labor of the working class. (sighs) (sighs) It's a problem. It really is. Okay, yeah, that's that's not your typical writer problem, we'll admit. And also it isn't your copy editor. That would be your your like your other editor's job to recommend those sorts of changes. Uh, yeah, but but try try to tell Shep that. <laughs> you know that's fair. Also also I do think that that actually they made a very valid point that it needs like another paragraph and also the main character needs to be older. And when I wrote it initially the main character was older. Right. And I right. aged it down for the publisher that ultimately bought it and then gave it back to me or sold it back to me when they didn't know what to do with it and Reading it now, I'm like, no, uh, you know, maybe she does need to be older. And so I think right. I have to switch her to at least like 14. But uh, at least. It, but like, yeah. Yeah, because I read the pre aged down version and it seemed about right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, the other there, thing, see, genuine struggle. You don't need another co-host yet. There we go. Uh, the other thing of note is that. Uh, we have two shut it down days coming up. Yes. So I have two days off coming up. One of them is Juneteenth, mm-hmm. which is a very important holiday. Well, a very important day, an unrecognized holiday, as it were. Yes, it should probably be a holiday. Yes, let me get an official because I, 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 I feel bad. I can't just roll off. The top of my head, what exactly is special about... I believe it was the day when uh, the formerly enslaved in Texas finally received word they were free. Uh, yes, that would be it exactly. And that would be the... Um, that was the last state? Pretty much. Yeah, that, that, uh, to do it. So that was fully, fully liberated. Very important day. And I am... You know what the... the the worst part about it is, is one of the reasons it's not cemented in my memory is because it was never covered. It was not something talked about. Uh, there's been some talk, actually, on Twitter. When did you learn uh, – did did any of your schooling cover Juneteenth? And uh, none of it did. At no. no point is it ever mentioned. And, uh, you know, and, and I've had uh, primary, secondary – yeah, yeah. But it just no. It's and I mean I'm sure it doesn't help that I grew up and was educated in the South, which you know did a lot of hand waving at, and then the Civil War ended and the slaves were freed, and then Reconstruction happened and it was terrible. So 
Reconstruction right. was terrible. Right. Yeah. Which is a very Southern view. Yeah, it is. And it was completely wrong. Uh, yeah, well, the way that, that uh, history is taught in, in American schools is a crime, but it's basically you start with the pilgrims, uh, you start with Columbus, you get to the Civil War, you rinse, you repeat. The yeah. next year, start with Columbus, get to the Civil War. Uh, that is American history, and uh, then occasionally you will get the ancient Greeks and the Romans, then it's Columbus and the the up to the Civil War. What's what's I think interesting about it is that the history books themselves always have a whole bunch of stuff after the Civil War. Even the textbooks? Yeah, the textbooks. Yeah, but nobody ever gets to it. Yeah, because the, the school year ends before you can get to that part of it. Right. And I don't know if that's because of required curriculum, or, or there may be some hand waving. In fairness, okay, I, I to to give what credit is due, I had a class that got to uh, many of the classes made it to uh, the beginning of World War Two. Yeah. Now, uh, an interesting thing is my sophomore year in high school, I did. Uh, I did this hybridized class that was specific, sort of specific to my school, where it combined world history and um, literature. Uh, it was mostly, of course, English literature, because, but because of how the two were intertwined, we actually got a lot more of the uh, post World War One, World War Two stuff, because there's a there was a huge sort of literary shift due to the impact of World War One. Yeah, when we tried to do that, we just read the Crucible and spent weeks on the Salem Witch Trials. See, we read the we we read the Crucible early in the American English section of things because it dovetailed with that portion of history that was being taught. Uh, we didn't actually read the Crucible. As part of post World War One, World War Two literature, we read it uh, parallel to things like the Scarlet Letter and contemporaries. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, things that were contemporary to the story, not things that were. I did actually take a class that was European history, mm -hmm. and uh, that was uh, basically all French Revolution all the time. I'm sure other stuff happened. I think it was Magna Carta, French Revolution, um, World War One, sort of a little. And I still, I, I tried once on Twitter. I was like, it occurs to me, I still don't know what the hell World War One was about. And dozens of historians and readers jumped in to say it's okay. Neither does anyone else. I, <laughs> so. the, the, I think the clearest, the clearest explanation I've heard of World War One so far was from a European who said, yes, World War I was when we figured we hadn't fought each other in too long and so made up a war because we needed to fight each other. Yes. Because they'd spent thousands of years fighting each other. It's, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, basically, uh, I think we watched All Quiet on the Western Front and then that was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, also, uh, um, when I say that, you know, up to, you know, from the uh, Columbus to the Civil War and then to World War One or whatever, uh, don't think for a minute 
that this was comprehensive. I would no. say probably maybe one in 20 or 30 Americans knew that we fought a war in the Philippines, i.e. all the ones with Filipino friends. Uh, there is a whole swath uh, in between, I want to say, um, the ratifying of the Constitution and the Civil War where it's all highlights. And they're yeah. they, and they are the the most worthless highlights because it's like I can tell you anything you want to know about the Teapot Dome scandal, but nineteen twenty something, but or early twentieth century, yeah. But like the bit where you know we were invading other countries, we actually never hear anything about that. I, I'll be honest. I think I learned more about the. Trail of Tears and the political situation prior to the Civil War by watching the fucking Disney Davy Crockett TV miniseries than I ever did in a history class. Also, very few Americans are really clear why we were ever at war with Mexico for anything. Like, and remember the Alamo? We don't actually remember what happened at the Alamo, except we think someone got shot. And also, I think most Americans think we won. And you did, yeah, no. Um. <laughs> it's it, it, this is how you make a country like America is you control the textbooks, which um, is what Texas has done. I mean, uh, yeah, because Texas is the largest yeah. buyer of textbooks. Basically, everyone in the U.S. learns based on what the Texas school board decides they want to buy. Right, and so all the textbook makers like tailor their books to what the Texas school board will buy. It is an apocalyptically awful state of affairs. Oh, yeah. If you are, if this is news to you or if you are like, huh, and would like to know more about it, I highly recommend a book called Lies My Teacher Told Me. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is, I should really reread it. Um, it was updated uh, a while ago, it, which is genius and it is basically a historian going through a history textbook and saying this is what you were taught and this is what is actually true for example uh many of us were taught that i believe DeSoto discovered the mississippi and yeah no well i might have been taught that but i know that's false well <laughs> so funny story. Oh, all the paintings show him on like a white horse, uh, standing next to the Mississippi oh, yeah, this. with the you know you know with with the natives there, and it's this this you know the great explorer has found the Mississippi. Leaving aside that obviously all the indigenous people knew the fucking Mississippi was there, it's hard to miss. DeSoto actually discovered the Mississippi when taking heavy fire from same indigenous population. He and his men attempted to. To sneak across it in the middle of the night on rafts because they were being attacked from all sides because they had made themselves very unpopular. Oh yeah. So it's it's things like that. And and I will be honest, I read that book and I was comfortably outraged. Okay? I was like, okay, I'm this is this is, you know, outrageous, but it is it was a kind of detached comfortable outrage right up until I got to the updates where he explained that in some of the latest edition of the textbooks, uh, 
it, they just say that uh, George W. Bush wasted no time in commissioning the 9-11 Commission to discover what had happened when the Twin Towers went down. Yeah, Kevin's jaw is hanging open. Those of us who were, you know, paying attention to the news at the time know that he dragged his feet and cried like a baby. Oh, yeah. And, and was, like, fighting tooth and nail not to have a 9-11 Commission. And it has now been reduced to one sentence where he's like, yay, 9-11 Commission. And I'm like... At that point, I was like all of the comfortable outrage was and I just wanted to pitch something against a wall, not the book because it wasn't the book's fault. And also I was on an airplane at the time, but I was like, I, I wanted to get up and stomp around and yell and <laughs> and because like, OK, I can be annoyed that the paintings about DeSoto are obviously wrong, but I lived through this. How dare they? I find it interesting that there was also a um, like a lot of later in school when there like in my U.S. history class when we were able to get past World War II, there was very little about uh, mental mental break there uh, Vietnam or Watergate. Or, oh, we I I never got to Vietnam. I still don't know why we were in Korea. Uh, same reason we were in Vietnam. Uh, like the Monroe Doctrine or something, right? Uh, the no, no, don't tell me because possibly you're wrong because you're also a product of the American education system. And if I want to know, I'll look it up. Okay, but the yeah, no. Uh, if you were not uh, old enough to have actually lived through Korea or Vietnam, there is an excellent chance if you were educated. And Kevin and I are well-educated people as these things go. Uh, I have no idea, honestly. It's uh, it, it, This is not a thing we are taught in schools at all. Like, uh, I think it was, I think if we were taught anything, it was to prevent communism. Yeah. And yeah. that, that was, that was the line right there. And uh, that's literally... All we know about it, 99% of what I know about the Korean War comes from watching MASH. Right. Yeah. And uh, if I if I had not talked to people, uh, my uncle served in Vietnam, you know, about what kind of a train wreck the whole thing was, then, uh, yeah, I would have no clue. Yeah, I mean, well, we might have a clue because uh, the cultural gestalt has moved to a point where uh, uh, Vietnam is seen as like a horrible thing that happened, but there is a fascinating section in the book about uh, uh, the photos that people remember from um, of Vietnam, and depending on who you ask, boomers remember one of a kid getting executed, and Gen X and younger remembers the My Lai massacre scene. Yeah, and it's uh, it's. Uh, it's a whole generational break, basically, on how you picture that uh, these wars. It's very strange. Anyway, uh, anyway, so that got a lot off key, but great book. You should read it. Also, um, highly recommend fourteen ninety one, uh, the which is a history of uh, America, what was going on in America right before Columbus arrived which will tell you things about the Incas that will also make you want to stomp around going, why the hell was no one telling me this? This is important. Is this where you found out about the potatoes? 
No, I was already really into potatoes. Okay. But uh, no, this is where I found out that uh, because of their freeze-dried potato system, they managed to eliminate uh, hunger in the Incan Empire. So... Yeah, like, nobody else has done that ever, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> but they were like, nope, everybody everybody can eat. We have enough freeze-dried potato paste to feed everybody. Also, they had a courier system that, like, could you could get a message from one end of the empire to the other in, like, 18 hours. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, on to... Without horses. On to... Perhaps less aggravating subjects. Uh, I had a great talk, like I said a couple weeks ago, with Miss Amy Toby, who is a resilience engineer, an SRE of a whole lot of skill, and uh, someone I really like hanging out with and talking to. So we'll have that for you right after this. I am here with one of the most amazing people I know, a uh, former coworker and someone who I am just uh, truly, truly grateful to be able to call a friend, uh, Miss Amy Toby. And Amy is going to talk to us today about how she stays productive. So Amy, now that I have made you blush and um, uh, not done the best introduction, tell us about, like, do a better introduction, like who you are, what you do. Who am I and what do I do? Okay. Um, so I'll start with my personal life. I'm a, I'm a parent of a wonderful 10-year-old boy. Um, and I live in a home in San Jose with my son, my mom, and my dog, who is a Samoyed. <laughs> and uh, professionally, I'm an SRE. I've been that since before. It had that name. I've been doing it for a little over 20 years. Uh, SRE, DevOps, all that stuff. Um, basically, anything around reliability has been my gig for a long time. And in recent years, I'm kind of digging deeply into this resilience engineering thing. Uh, yeah, I understand uh, from the from the chatter around the the your former my current office um, virtual water cooler that your presentation at Failover Conf was absolutely amazing. Um, I'm glad to hear that. So, congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, so with all that going on, how do you keep yourself productive or organized or both? Oh, well, um, <laughs> I have the system, uh, in resilience engineering, there's this concept called adaptive capacity. Okay. And what it is, your ability to kind of act when there's no plan, right? So mm -hmm. if you're in, um, in a situation where you have say a list of instructions, but the instructions don't really cover the case you need to, to what you need to do. And so you uh, yeah. figure it out and you go and you get the problem solved. That's called mm -hmm. adapt. That's adaptive work. Right? Okay. So adaptive capacity is just your ability to be good at that. Like how good at that are you? 
And mm -hmm. organizations can exhibit it too, right? Like, so right. a lot of companies are exhibiting a massive amount of adaptive capacity or not. Or not. Right now. Yeah. Um, and so over the course of my career as a lifetime ADHD person, oh, um, yep. <laughs> I, I have developed uh, a specialization in adaptive capacity, <laughs> which is a great way of saying that I am a huge procrastinator. Um, but it, it, I don't like that word so much because among ADHD folks, it's very common for us to have this procrastination cycle because the energy just isn't available to us early yeah. in the cycle, right? Like people say, why didn't you do your homework ahead of time? Why didn't you do this report, you know, more than a week before? Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is that the energy is just not there. I don't have the executive function usually to do it. And so it's in that last few days before a talk or before a big deadline that all the energy comes at once and I push out everything and it comes out usually pretty good results Yeah, yeah. because of because I've been doing this so long. Mm -hmm. And so I usually just leave things until it becomes urgent enough that I'm like, okay, now I need to get this done. So I wouldn't say I'm organized. I would say that I'm, <laughs> I'm really good at delivering in the last, uh, the last moments, but also getting better at, at bringing that moment where I start a little bit earlier each time. Yeah. Now, do you have the, uh, uh, the object permanence issue that, uh, um, Ursula, my wife has shown multiple times where she'd been doing something, she'd set it down and then suddenly it just ceases to exist because it's not in front of her anymore. That's um, interesting. I haven't really thought about that. Yeah. So I, I do have a, a bit of the forgetfulness. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't really think about where I put a thing, mm -hmm. but I do expect it to be there, but you, you can ask me where I put it and I won't know until I actually physically go in the space and touch it. Yeah. It's, um, uh, so it's a little of, different. Yeah. One of our, our, uh, pandemic housemates, it was like, um, Oh, the laundry, her laundry has been in the dryer for 12 hours. I'm like, do you need your laundry? And she's like, Oh, right. I did laundry yesterday. I need to go get it. And yeah, she, yeah, yeah. Um, much more of a, uh, the object doesn't exist until I need it to exist or I'm reminded it exists. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. fair. Okay. Um, how, I mean, so this is all, all, I guess, self-built coping mechanisms or, uh, I don't want to get the push into, um, are you, is it better living through chemistry? Because we're big on that here. I'm um, happy with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it, a lot of it I developed over the years, just mm -hmm. accidentally for, at first, um, you know, through grade school, it was a huge problem for me. I got terrible grades. So right. it's, why don't you do your homework? What, you always get A's on the test. Why don't you do your homework? You get such better grades. Mm -hmm. And to me, largely it was like, I just didn't care. Um, <laughs> and then I got a job. Right. And so, um, in, at work, Right. The mm -hmm. deadlines have have kind of more consequences than than a silly letter that just, I didn't just, care about. Just a tad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I had to develop these skills. But it turns out because I started in operations and web operations where most of the work mm -hmm. I did, especially early in my career, was, oh, crap, the server's on fire. Completely reactive. Yeah. Right. Just go fix it. That's perfect for me. Right. Like I don't I don't need to plan and I can dive in there and give maximum mental energy and fix it really quickly. And, and then get out. And that's great. I, I was very happy. But as my career progressed, I had more expectations of kind of what mm -hmm. I call throughput work, right? Like yeah. in, in technical systems, we've talked very much about you can have great latency or great throughput uh, at a reasonable cost, but getting both at a reasonable cost is nearly impossible. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so people tend to be in that space too, right? Like 
uh, most people, neurotypical folks, I would say are more <laughs> on the through the throughput side of the, of the mm-hmm. equation, right? Where they, you plan your week, you have your stuff to do, you look at your calendar and you work through and you write code all day or you, you fill out forms all day, whatever it is that you do. And that's kind of throughput work. Yeah. But I do latency work best, right? Like it's, <laughs> you come to me with a question and you need it solved in five minutes. I'm your girl. Um, <laughs> but if it's like, I have a week worth of work for you to sit down and focus and, and do the same thing, I, I, I'm, I can do it, but it's, it's going to cost me. It's, it's going to, yeah, it's, uh, it, it takes up spoons. It takes up energy, whatever terminology you hmm. prefer on that. Yeah. Um, I could drop another RE term for that. Okay. Hit me spoon, on that spoon, one. spoon theory is from, uh, I, I've heard mixed things on spoon theory, right? Cause mm-hmm. it's, it's a wonderful way to talk about kind of the, the cost of living. Yep. <laughs> um, I've also heard some folks from the disabled community, uh, express, that you know, those of us that are abled, maybe overusing it and borrowing something without crediting it back to that community. So I'm really careful about that. Okay. Yeah. 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 In, in RE, there's mm-hmm. a very similar concept called cognitive capacity. Ah. Which is almost exactly the same thing with a little bit more rigor in how it's talked about in the literature. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So it's just basically the ability to solve problems, the ability to do cognitive work. How mm-hmm. much of that do you have? Or thinky juice is, is my funny version of it, right? Like, <laughs> oh, I like that one. Because, you know, you get to the end of your day, like everybody knows this feeling, right? You uh, Actually, the, the most notorious one among uh, IT workers is you go to lunch, you have a big lunch, you get back to the office and about two, one, two o'clock, it's just, I can't, I can't even stay awake. And I just want to go take a nap somewhere and I can't, yeah. I can't get any real work done. I can maybe make it through a meeting. But that's because I've depleted my cognitive capacity. Part of it was just because your body, when you eat something, takes oh. a bunch of that capacity and dumps it into digesting food. But it's basically yeah. a, a way of thinking about like, where does my ability to think go? And, and that's what I love about it is um, mm-hmm. I think all of us should be thinking more about that because it, it goes up and down through the day and through the week. Mm-hmm. It, it cycles. And um, I was going to say, yeah, I, I didn't really think about the whole digestion fatigue. <laughs> until like seriously until we were at altitude for an extended period of time Mm. when we were in tibet last year and sorry folks i had to throw that in um (laughs) and but we would eat and it would just suddenly be like we had to crash and it's because everything that we would normally spend all the energy we would normally spend on walking around or whatever all that oxygen was being diverted to you have food it needs digested we have work to do yeah 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 Mm. Um, I find a, a little bit of a protein snack around two thirty, three o'clock helps. Okay. Or I'm on my fourth cup of espresso. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So now I'm, I'm learning and I will be adjusting some, some terminology. Um, I don't have the thinky juice for that, which is uh, still, right. still better than, uh, the occasional, my brain can't brain right now. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I find this really useful in professional settings mm-hmm. um, in, in the topic of, of the show, right? Like right. when you have something you need to get done and you're sitting mm-hmm. there and you're like writer's block you know, and you know, I'm out of thinky juice, my brain mm-hmm. just won't work. It, it, that's low cognitive capacity and having that understanding right. and, and uh, compassion for yourself to say like, I know mm-hmm. I can have this capacity. I just don't have it right now sets you up for success. Yeah. Because then you can go and say, okay, so what do I do to rebuild my cognitive capacity? Do I go take a nap, stand in the sun for 10 minutes? Different for everyone. Yeah, whatever whatever your personal sort of recharge is, because uh, I guess unlike 
using the the spoon theory terminology as an abled person you're much it's much easier for you to recharge right right if you deplete your cognitive capacity you can do things often to bring it back up to a, a workable level and if in in spoon theory it, when you hit the end of whatever you you're at the end of your spoons that's it you're done period exclamation point i mean that that's yeah. what it's there for right is to talk right. about mainly the the drain that people have on their mm-hmm. on cognitive capacity so it's more like the right. the, the downside i don't really want to say that because yeah. it's saying like everybody gets 10 spoons right and if you mm-hmm. have if you need a mobility device you probably spend three or four of those just getting out of your house right so um yeah and, and that's really what it's meant to communicate to able folks right because because mm-hmm. we don't have we don't have that problem we roll out of bed and do our routine and walk out the front door with probably 9.35 stones or you know or spoons yeah or whatever, <laughs> right but and, and i think that's really what it's meant to illustrate yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um yeah yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, any other any other systems or tools you might use oh. before we get into the next question? Yeah. So uh, I use the heck out of Google Calendar. Okay. Um, I have two of them. I have my personal one and my work one, and so mm-hmm. I very often have to cross things across them. I wish there were better tools for that. Um, I use Zapier for that. Hmm. I'll have to look at it. Yeah, I'll, um, we can talk after. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's not that often I have to do it, so I usually just invite the other account, and it works fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but the, the the it goes further than that because mm-hmm. I'm besides work and so on, I'm also polyamorous. Right. And so I have multiple partners to coordinate time with, and so the Google Calendar comes to even more critical because just like how before the show today when you and I talked mm-hmm. and realized oh, I didn't put it on my calendar and we just got lucky I didn't double book myself. Right. Um, <laughs> I have to schedule again. It's, it's um, fine if we'd had to. I can, I'm flexible in that. So, yeah. I, sure. I, I'm just pointing out like, you know, it's because mm-hmm. I didn't put it on my calendar because it literally will never stick in my head otherwise. Right. So it's, right. it's putting it somewhere. And some, mm-hmm. I've tried so many different things. Like I write it on a piece of paper, but then I forget that the piece of paper even exists until like five years later when I look at it and go, what the heck was going on there? Right. Um, <laughs> Not a paper journal person. <laughs> no. And uh, I, I try. I, I like, I use mm-hmm. it more for sketching, mm-hmm. but, but mm-hmm. I actually, they're, they're right only for the most part. My notebooks are. Yeah. I, I almost never go back through them and except for occasionally a conversation, but like, I think I made a note, but I have no idea <laughs> where in this book it is or anything. Yeah. So it goes in my Google mm-hmm. calendar. Stuff goes into um, often um, uh, drafts in my Gmail. Okay. Because yeah. I don't have to think about where they are. And there's, there's stuff like Google Keep and stuff that, that does similar things. But what I found mm-hmm. is with my Gmail drafts, mm-hmm. um, I don't forget where I put them. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just, I got in that habit like a decade ago and I've just been doing it ever since. So if I just need a quick note, mm-hmm. I pop open an uh, email, I write it in there and then I close it. And then if I need it later, it's in my drafts. Like, and you're not the first person who's told me that. Uh, it's actually a really handy storage. Like, oh, uh, much easier than trying to send yourself an email, which Gmail immediately says, oh, you sent that to yourself and right. shoves it into your sent mail as read. Thanks, guys. Um, cool. Uh, any other tools? Other tools. I tried using Asana for a bit. Um, I got a bunch of stuff in there, and then I just didn't check back in it for a while. And so I, I'm trying to decide what I'm going to do about that from like all the projects 
project yeah. stuff in my life I need to do and keep track of. So it's still kind of, I'm still looking for the right hit there. Uh, yeah, I've been through all of them right now since I'm primarily Mac, Mac and iOS. I'm using OmniFocus, which has been really good hmm. uh, for me. Uh, but that's like my current. I've used Emacs org mode um, until I found I was spending too much time tuning Emacs org mode, which is there's the problem. A, there's a new tool Ian Coldwater mentioned. Uh, I don't uh, remember what it was. I'll have to find it again, but it's basically like a um, it's basically like an outline that you can keep entering stuff in. It automatically does markup and stuff for you. I'll have to find it. Uh, was that Notion? Mm, I don't remember. Sorry. <laughs> that's no, that's fine. That's fine. It, it really it caught my interest just because it was so simple and it's basically just an outline. Um, which I oh, think yeah, OmniFocus yeah. is very similar, except it's a mm-hmm. graph. Uh, no, OmniFocus is. Uh, an outline on steroids because it was sort of oh, designed okay. around getting uh, David Allen's getting things done. Mm. Um, you can just use straight Omni Outliner, which is their the outlining tool. They were like, people are using it for this other thing, and so are we. Maybe we should make an actual product out of it. Oh, um, cool. So, uh, but yeah, Omni Outliner, very good too. I enjoy it. Um, yeah, no, finding the right tool is always difficult, and I'm constantly changing. So yeah, it's like the, the modern day building your own lightsaber uh, <laughs> or building your own PC back in the day. Yeah, I suppose. Although I yeah. still do that. So uh, yeah, no, I've, I've been known to. Um, so anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, what habits, I mean, we've already talked a little bit about it, but what habits uh, are important to you or helping with that? Helping with organization? Or uh, keeping yourself productive? Um, The biggest one lately has been maintaining a strict wake-up time. Uh, I I, I let myself snooze a few times here and there, but like I get up every morning at 7.30. It got really hard for a little bit with the kid out of school. Right. Because his schedule got all out of whack, and he started sleeping in. And so it used to be I would get up, and I had the time pressure to get out of bed and get ready to walk him to school. And so that went away. And then my calendar kind of went wibbly wobbly for a little while because I, I just, my sleep schedule went crazy and I was like, stop. And so I went back and just started getting up at seven 30 every weekday. And that, that makes a huge difference because it, it's hard to maintain, but the, the consistency, I definitely feel better. And I've, I have had the same thing. Um, Except in my case, I've suddenly had an extra wake-up call from the cats and the dogs who are like, <laughs> it's 7.30. You should it's be up time. by now. We need, yeah, normally you're feeding us now. What's wrong? So. Yeah, Rufus is so laid back. He, he just, he don't care. He'll, he'll stay there till 9 o'clock if we all sleep in. And they, they said to us when we were adopting, you know, hounds are food motivated. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> we, we have a pair of coon hounds, so yeah. Okay, yeah, Samoyeds yeah. are, I think, a little less food driven. Oh, just a tad, just a tad. <laughs> um, but yeah, also uh, maintaining the strict wake up time, I'm finding also sort of reflects back to meaning you need to start maintaining a stricter, maybe not per, maybe not as strict, but go to bedtime. I did that for a mm-hmm. while. I had a bedtime alarm. That right. I actually treated as more important than my wake up alarm because if I went to bed on time, I didn't have to worry about the wake up alarm. I would just wake up. Right. Um, I, I kind of let that go just because I've been flexing into the evenings a little bit because that's usually mm-hmm. when I get to talk to my friends on oh, right. Zoom or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
And so I often end up a little late and then a little deprived of sleep. And then I, you know, I pay the price for like three or four days and it's okay. Then, and then you get a day where you can just let it, it uh, rebuild that sleep debt. Yeah. I find that I doesn't do. work for me. Oh, really? I, I uh-huh. envy people who can recover sleep debt, but I haven't been able to do that since I was a teenager. ADHD. Probably. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's been the funniest thing ever since Ursula started on ADHD medicine and sleep apnea, uh, uh, CPAP, suddenly she's sleeping sounder and, uh, more energetic during the day. I, I it's one of those, my favorite, um, kind of surprising things about ADHD is that we take yeah. stimulants to slow the heck down. Uh, right. Um, she has, I, I, I will send you a link. She has this great explanation. I can't remember if it was on Twitter or on a, a past episode about how the drugs suddenly it was like a light switch going on and all the spare thoughts running for, for cover. <laughs> um, so, um, cool. Any other habits? Other habits. Let me see. Um, I've tried to stay pretty careful. A lot of this just tends to be put in my body on a schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, so like trying to get lunch around noon, uh, I try every day to get a few calories in, just helps mm-hmm. put me on a schedule. All right. Uh, so the food schedule uh, and eating schedule to kind of keep you on track. Yeah, it helps. Mm-hmm. Um, what else am I doing? Uh, trying to keep up on exercise. That makes a huge difference. Uh, I've been, I, I used to go to the yoga studio mm-hmm. and that was kind of my, I would get there and then I would have to be pushed to go through the hour or hour and a half because it was a right. yoga studio. And, um, yeah, I, I've never been able to do, I, I was always the Hatha yoga, not hot yoga yoga. I, I just, I mean, that's yeah. what I'm doing now, right? Like right. I'm doing the 26 Hatha poses. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I go do those in my backyard now because I'm okay. not getting enough sun either. So I go out and, um, you know, I, mm-hmm don't have to worry about getting, you know, dressed for the yoga studio or going in my car. It's actually been mm-hmm. really nice. And so I'm, <laughs> I'm building a habit around that. Mm-hmm. Um, just getting out, getting some sun, getting some fresh air and uh, moving my body a little. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very important right now, especially since more of us are going sedentary than we did before. And okay. The I'm other, not. The kicker but, on that. Yeah. It, uh, maybe a little off topic is mm-hmm. uh, the recent discoveries about COVID-19 and the impact on blood clotting. Um, oh, really? One of, the, one of the major complications they're finding, especially in young people, is that they're having strokes. Oh, wow. In, in an age range where they don't expect strokes at all. And so um, moving your body in cardiovascular health mm-hmm, may be mm-hmm. more important than ever if you do come down with it. I don't know if it helps or not, but I'm definitely going to take every little bit of uh, insurance out I can if it just means making myself healthier. Yeah, and I'm also paying a lot of attention to the studies in um, Canada and France right now Hmm. uh, because they're finding some interesting things about uh, substances that the U.S. doesn't normally test for medical uses. Um, Ah, fair enough. Uh, no, actually, I think it was uh, an article today um, how Canada was finding high CBD, low THC cannabis products uh, reduce the stressors and the number of places that the virus can enter into the cell. Oh, that's super interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, it's like it because the receptors are also driven by the inflammation and stress because CBD has that high anti-inflammatory thing, high CBD, low THC. By the way, folks, 
THC is what gets you high. CBD is everything <laughs> else in the pot and the hemp. Um, uh, they're finding that it actually reduces um, the infection rate, I guess, inside your body because there are well, it gives your immune system a better chance in the very yeah. simplest explanation, right? Like yeah. every time you reduce stress and inflammation, mm-hmm. your body has a better chance of responding with its full capability. Yeah. And uh, apparently um, it's, it's some interesting research not happening in the U.S. But... Well, yeah, because Canada likes cheap drugs and we don't. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Enough of that one. Um, <laughs> uh, I think we're good. I think we're good. Okay. So how do you decide what to do first thing in the morning? Or for um, work or in your day or? Well, I have a couple of habits that have been forming slowly. Okay. Uh, so I just started this job uh, about two months ago, two and a half months ago. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. And even before that, to some extent, uh, the, the previous gig, uh, mm-hmm. I had a lot of very early morning meetings because mm-hmm. of all the people that were in Europe. Yeah. And so the, 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 the meeting block tended to be very early morning for West Coast America. Yeah. And so I, I was very out of sorts a lot because I would get up at 6 a.m. one day and then mm-hmm. 7.30 the next day. And I would try to sleep in the next day because I was so tired. And that didn't do me any good. So now what I do most mornings, because I get up, I'm usually on my own. Right. I, I get up 7.30. I do mm-hmm. my morning, you know, cleanups and stuff. Yeah. And then I, I, I head downstairs and I, I start a pot of tea. Mm-hmm. And um, I make myself a little snack and I go and sit in my chair and check the news and email and all that stuff and just chill and drink tea and, and catch up on correspondences. That's when I, you know, get my overnight messages and yeah, yeah, yeah. work emails, catch up on Slack, anything that was in there. And uh, that's been really nice just to set up my day in a kind of calm mm-hmm. place. And that, then I, when it comes time to start interacting more with work, I head upstairs and I have a, a room set aside for my work right now. Right. I'm very fortunate to have that. And so I'm in this space and it helps mm-hmm. me kind of get only on work and there's nothing else in here to distract me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I see you have this is fine dog behind you and a, and a, and a Totoro and a, is that Deadpool with a stuffed unicorn? It is. A plus. Uh, I used a couple of them in, in my talk on Tuesday <laughs> to demonstrate fundamental common draw and breakdown. I just picked them up and held them so that I could, you know, have character, yeah, a, character yeah. B. So I could put them forward in the camera and back. But I almost grabbed Deadpool. But what I couldn't remember about Deadpool is this one has a, uh, a motion sensor in it. And it has this box that just vibrates like crazy. And so if you pick him up the wrong way, he, he would sit there and just go. And uh, yeah, I didn't that, no. that to happen while I was on air. Cause no, that, that no, not, not when you're presenting to the big conference. No. Right. But it is occasionally hilarious to hand him to somebody who's not expecting it. Not ex- okay. So mental note. Don't take Deadpool <laughs> from Amy next time I see her in person. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah. And then, uh, uh, so you get that nice chill start. Um, mm. What drives that first task after the chill start? Uh, usually somebody poking <laughs> me for something. Uh, okay. I, I've had a couple of, of uh, spans of, of really good kind of throughput produ- productivity. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's mainly been, it's been, I left some problem unfinished the night before. Uh-huh. And by the time I get up to my computer, I'm just ready to, to attack it. 
And so it's, it's kind of a lumpy cycle for me. If I have a big project where I can, where I have it go over multiple days, that tends to drive me to start back on it. But right. a lot of my projects are not long-term. Mm-hmm. They're, they're very short-term, a week, sometimes three weeks on the outside, but most of the technical work I do is very short. Yeah. Groovy. Now we start in on the hard questions. Those weren't the hard questions? Those weren't the hard questions. <laughs> Um, what is the best advice you have been given, uh, and, or would give someone else? Oh, um, you know, I think, especially in in these times, Mm -hmm. uh, the, the thing that constantly comes up in therapy for me Mm -hmm. is to be more compassionate to myself. And I think, especially with everyone kind of running with their reduced cognitive capacity or spoons yeah. with all the stress in the world today. And um, I don't need to go into the news. I think everybody who hears this will, rem- will know yeah. it or remember it. Um, <laughs> you know, we're, we're starting out just like we were talking about earlier with spoons, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're yeah. all starting out a couple of spoons lower than we did before COVID. Right. And so we, we all need mm-hmm. to be a little bit more compassionate with ourselves Mm-hmm. And that enables us to be more compassionate to others. Absolutely. When yeah. we first say, you know what, Amy, take a break. You've been at this for three hours. Um, you're you're going to get it. Just rest a little and it, it'll come to you. And mm-hmm. that that's self-compassion instead of like driving to, to completion, which is what we often do in our work lives. Yeah. Or even in our personal lives. I know people, you know, they're just, they're always busy. They're always moving. They're always getting stuff done. And that's great. But there, there needs to be that other side of saying it's okay to miss one every once in a while. Yeah. And then we've been, I've been trying to reinforce that as things have been going on. Uh, you, we are not okay. Right. Uh, you slow down. Do not expect yourself to be as productive or running as fast or whatever as you were two months ago yep. or three months ago. Um, I don't know when this will actually be going live at this point. I haven't figured out the schedule yet. So it may be three months by the time people hear this. Um, I'm sure everybody will remember. Yeah. uh, I believe everybody knows. Um, But yeah, no, that one's really important and something uh, uh, I've been trying to reinforce. Uh, Hmm, Good. So it has been reinforced by um, uh, leadership at my employment. Oh, that's great. I'm which glad has to hear been, that. Yeah, which has been, uh, it was uh, shocking seeing all these other companies, which is, you know, okay, work from home. Now we expect the same amount of work and to have the top of the company come on and say, it is not okay. We do not expect you to push as hard. We understand. And that messaging has come, has continued through the culture, which has been uh, absolutely amazing to see. Well, and that's interesting because you work in a company that is remote first. Yes. And so they, they took that extra step. And mm-hmm. where I feel it's even more critical, right? Like most of the remote people mm-hmm. at Elastic are, that I knew, know yeah. uh, already know to take care of themselves. Yes. Right. So that extra reinforcement is great to hear. Well, and it's, it's also there because it's like we know your family's there and they aren't normal. Mm. We right. know this other stuff is going on. And that's so, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt, by the way. No, no, the constant, endless. Mm-hmm. Like my child is now, I, I'm very fortunate that he's hooked up with his best friends on mm-hmm. Skype. 
Oh yeah. But it, but it's also kind of a, for me because I, of my uh, sensory overload issues, mm-hmm. um, the constant wall of noise from the kid <laughs> sitting in the corner and shouting into Skype all day, like all day if I let them. Yeah. And they're, they're just at each other all day, just doing stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it's just this constant wall of noise where he used to go to school. It'd be, it would be, you could hear a pin drop in this house. And I haven't gotten that in how many weeks? <laughs> yeah. So uh, that has been one of the interesting things is because we had already adjusted to that, uh, especially over summers or school vacations. And we had already done the, uh, his senior project, this is the coolest thing, right? He got approved uh, for his senior this project. Is your son you're saying? Yeah, my son, okay. yeah. Um, his senior project is measuring his improvement over time. This is how I understand it. It may be more complex. But measuring his improvement over time of speed runs oh. in a particular classic Mario game huh. and broadcasting it. As a senior project? That's so cool. As a, yeah, exactly. So his teachers uh, it, uh, already can, like, for his senior project, can see his progress, see how he's doing, because he's streaming three or four times a, a week. But right. we already had to set that sort of baseline. Okay, look, I have to work, and streaming eats bandwidth. And right. Yeah. Um, but then again, he's 18, so it's a little <laughs> different. Uh, right. Also, his schoolwork is a little more intense now than it's it was when intense. he was 10. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, then when he was 10. Okay, yeah. And when he was 10. Yeah, no, we're two and a half months in theory from graduation at this point, and he's already been accepted to his first choice school. So Great. there's a lot of pressure to keep the grades up. Right, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, so that means he's quieter a lot more. Which has been great. This is great, yeah. <laughs> well, that, it is nice because uh, mm-hmm. Leo's teachers is finally starting to get their their plan together. And so right. now he has morning sessions and they're giving mm-hmm. him homework and he'll sit and I, mm-hmm. I set up some rewards for him. If he gets this all done and knocked mm-hmm. out and it's not a, I don't have to put a lot of energy into it, he'll get more video games. Yeah. So. I should also explain, by the way, that noise in the background, um, it is almost, it is 20 to 25 minutes away from the hound's dinner time. That is Ernie, <laughs> who is starving to death because he has never eaten a lick of food in his entire life. His whole life. His whole life. Hounds oh are my gosh. F- so food motivated, yes. <laughs> so, hey, um, the, the almost as hard question. Mm-hmm. Not the hardest question in the whole thing. Um, I'm ready? Ready? How, Ernie? Hush. Um, how do you deal with failure or when you miss a goal? Ooh. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, self-abasement goes a long ways. Uh, no, no, that's not. I try not to do it. Mm-hmm. But I think we all. I think we all do it. Um, Whether we want to admit to it or not. Yes. Yeah, and so I'm. I have a little bit of uh, privilege in this space in that mm-hmm. my career has set me up to work on something called blameless postmortems or really blameless incident analysis for a few years now. Yeah. And just beyond trying to do things like not name people is kind of understanding the deeper consequence or the, the, the system that we live in and how it drives some mm-hmm. of these outcomes. And sometimes they're out of our control. Sometimes they're partially in our control. 
Um, but, but starting to really understand that a lot of my failures, you know, maybe, maybe mm -hmm. I didn't get out of bed on time. And that's really one of the things, but when, when we go to say, like, when we say there's a blameless, uh, mm -hmm. analysis, the other side of that is also that we have to say, we have to, that there isn't just one cause to something going wrong. Yeah. Right. And it, what we say is there is no root cause there are mm -hmm. contributing factors. And so. I use that internally for myself mm -hmm. when I screw up is I start to look at, you know, like, yes, I made a mistake, but also I, I got up late because I was mm -hmm. up late the night before because I was helping a friend that was in emotional need. Right. And then I go, you know what? I, I'm, I'm okay with this result because the, the net win was I helped my friend feel better and I missed, you know, somebody needed a report at 9 a.m. and they got it at 9.15 and actually there was no problem, Right. Yeah. And so it's that kind of thing, right? And looking at the consequences really is what are the consequences because they mm -hmm. tend to be blown out of proportion and we tend to do that. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. so really just kind of internalizing this idea of um, not blaming myself necessarily all the mm -hmm. time and, and, and looking to my environment to understand why I was in the position to make the mistake in the first place. Right. And it just kind of makes everything a lot more chill. Awesome. I And I, I have use that same sort of technique. I've started to use that same technique for myself, uh, but I've also used it in some other social dealings. Okay, let's step back. Hmm. Let's not play the blame game. Let's figure out what, what the circumstances are and where it all is. And no, 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 no. Don't yell at him. <laughs> it's right. Yeah. Or, or her or them or whatever. Well, it also comes up in parenting a lot, right? Oh, God, like yes. when, when your kid screws up, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, it, there, there's probably, there's a lot of people in our, especially our age bracket, I think mm -hmm. where, um, because every mistake was met with some kind of reprimand and it was yeah. frequent enough, we've kind of become used to every time we make a mistake, reprimanding ourselves. Yes. Right. Yeah. And breaking oh, yeah. free of that. But as a parent also mm -hmm. making, being really kind of, I'm really nervous about accidentally doing that. Mm -hmm. So, so it's another place where I end up practicing, not being like, um, sanctioning everything that goes wrong right instead trying to find a productive path forward so it's all these things kind of coming together over time has made it easier now if i go back a decade it's a lot uglier but i hope we all can say that uh yeah no i i certainly can say that uh i'm not the only one uh and i'm glad to not be that person anymore or that parent anymore <laughs> in some ways yeah yeah um, as the kids say huge mood <laughs> all right Last official question. This may be the hardest question. At least a lot of people say this is the hardest question. and uh, uh, But it's a happy question. Hmm. Do you celebrate your successes? And if so, how? Ooh. <laughs> uh, I, I do sometimes. Okay. Um. Usually it's by uh, letting myself off of the usual work ethic a little bit earlier, right? So, <laughs> so Tuesday I, mm -hmm. I did a, I gave a talk in front of a large audience. Oh yeah. It was remote. Um, but I still kind of, because I wanted to bring the same energy to it. Mm -hmm. I let myself get psyched up in the same way and, and kind of had this, a similar cycle to what I usually do. Cause usually like you walk to the, you get to the conference, there's a spike mm -hmm. of, Oh crap, it's real. And then, yeah. then you go find your hotel and stuff and settle in and it gets a little bit better. And then there's the day of, and you wake up in the morning, oh crap, it's today. 
and everything has to be perfect. I got to do my makeup perfect and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And then the energy really peaks in what I'm on stage, right? And that's when I'm at 10 out of 10 using everything I got. And when I get to the end, I absolutely deflate. And so what I've learned to do is like when these things, especially when they go well, mm -hmm. is to just, I just cut out for the rest of the day. I, I just let myself off the hook. So if I'm at a conference, I just kind of sit there and let yep. it wash over me. I don't worry about getting everything out of it. I can. If I'm, you know, out in the hallway talking to people, I just have a good time. I talk to them. I don't try to be at my smartest and edgiest because I can't. <laughs> it's gone. It's, it's, you you were just all of that on stage and I now you don't have to be on. Yeah. <laughs> I think of that as like a little treat for myself is mm -hmm. to like let myself off the hook for, for like performing at my best all the time. Right. Um, you know, it's stuff like that. I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't like do chocolate treats or anything like that. I know that works <laughs> for some people. Um, it's mostly just like... Uh, giving myself space. Oh, that's, I, more people need to give themselves space. Um, I, I think so. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, I now have to come down off the high person whenever I present. So I come <laughs> out and I'm just so full of energy. The crash is like a half hour later. Um, that's about right. Yeah. That's about right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you schedule your freak out in advance? No, I, I usually just channel it into the material which is why this last one was kind of awkward because usually I'm like editing the content right up until about 10 minutes before I go on stage. And even sometimes when I'm standing on stage, like getting ready, oh, I'll, yeah. I'll like, I don't usually do a ton at that, at that level, mm -hmm. but like it's because the energy comes again, ADHD again, right? Is right. The, curve, the curve starts, you know, it's like nothing, nothing, nothing. And then it gets up to the day of the event. And then all of a sudden it's at 10,000, um, whatever the scale is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And and so like, I, I just kind of ride the wave, you know? And mm -hmm. so, so a lot of times I have the, I've rehearsed what I'm going to say. I have a slide deck, but the deck is usually like the last thing to come together for, for me yeah. um, because of the way I like to develop talks. And so I usually put a lot of energy into that right away. And so I remember even last Tesserecon I, I presented that, <laughs> um, like I was in the, in the green room editing slides an hour before my talk. Cause I realized I wanted to flip a couple of things, but it was cause that energy was there and I had had, and I'd heard some other talks and had that clarification to add. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And you're like me, you don't script your talk. In I don't script. Mm -hmm. Um, I write, notes um mm -hmm. and i occasionally will write a transcript of a rehearsal into the notes but that's only when i want to distribute the slides right so when the slides go out all the content is there especially for folks who you know might need um text instead of audio cool uh yeah no i've i found uh, last year when i was presenting at all things open i said okay i'm going to take 15 minutes about a half hour before i have to present this 15 minutes is set aside for my freak out <laughs> for my oh god i have to be on freak out i always do it and this yeah. way here's the time slot and when it's done then i can put myself in the right headspace um, and i almost had a second freak out when they put us in a small room and people were spilled out in the hallway and i couldn't get back into the room to actually present i'm like <laughs> uh which was awkward um uh actually i think sometimes i think that pre-talk freak out is its own reward because then you bit. can, yeah, you can go in and you can say, "All right, I've already freaked out. I can chill." Right? <laughs> yeah, um, I've already, I've already, yeah, expressed the worst of myself in private. That's <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, that's everything. Okay. Uh, do you have anything you want to talk about or share with our audience? Oh gosh, 
Um, <laughs> well, I guess going back to that topic of, of mm -hmm. resilience again, right, yeah. is just being kind of topical right now. Mm -hmm. um, I think everybody's thinking about it a little more than maybe they did before. Yeah. And how, how we can build personal resilience. And so I, th I feel like it's topical to the show. Oh, yeah. And um, there is resilience engineering, which is starting to crop up more and more in tech. Uh, it's already around in things like medical and uh, Finally. And Sorry. Yeah. As someone who's been in tech it's... for 20 some years, finally. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we went and reinvented a bunch of this stuff mm -hmm. you know, on our own. And now, now we're like starting to go back to the science. And I'm really excited mm -hmm. about that. But there, the, the thing I really love about it and why it hits me so strongly, and I hope it hits a lot of other people, is it all feels like what should be common sense. Right. Right. And so when you're talking about personal resilience, it really comes down to finding the thing that is sustainable for whatever, for the system. Right. And so when mm -hmm. we're talking about ourselves, we are the system that we're talking about. Right. And so it's not about finding the most optimal way to organize your life or the most optimal way to run your kitchen. It's about not really, it's, it's more about how can I put together myself in a way that I can do mm -hmm. it every day for the rest of my career or the rest of my life or whatever. Right. And um, not burn yourself into the ground while you're doing it. Right. And so yeah. I, I really feel like that should be the core when people are thinking about mm -hmm. resilience is, is not just make it strong, which we have mm -hmm. way too much of that in the world today. Right. Um, instead of saying like, how do we make it so it can last? Yeah. The, um, the design that went into the houses on the waterfront in Charleston, South Carolina in the 1600s mm. versus the thought process of the condos that are going up on the coast of North Carolina now. Right. right? I mean, building anything on the coast is kind of icy these well, days. Yeah, but it was... Uh, um, uh, the the thing about it is those houses in Charleston have faced hurricanes, they have faced earthquakes, they have faced floods, and they're still there. Without so if we put our, if we put ourselves in the minds of those designers, yeah, in, in that time, I wonder mm -hmm. if their priority when mm -hmm. they when they designed and built those houses was to make them last. Yeah. Whereas today we've kind of developed since those times, our society, especially in America mm -hmm. and the West to where the, the primary goal of most projects is cost. Yes. Right. Cost optimization. Yeah. And we should do cost optimization, right? Like there should be right. some, but I don't feel like it should always be the first priority. And it's, it's not just cost optimization. It's cost optimization as compared to what we can, what return we'll get on it. So we want to right. optimize the cost to maximize the return. And who gets the return? And who gets the return? Yeah. Because in the case of the condos, I'm pretty sure the land developers are getting all of the return and some poor schmuck 30 years from now is going to lose it all. Or, um, as, or five years. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, uh, when uh, the one hurricane came through, uh, Charleston, South Carolina, and flattened houses that were five, six, ten years old, and the three hundred year old houses that took it in the teeth were still standing. It was yeah, and have taken it in the teeth for if they're yeah. three hundred years old, two hundred and fifty times, uh, something like that. I don't know. Um, at least one of them was like this had a pla plaque on it saying this house built in fourteen ninety something. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, but that's, I mean, but that's the thing. They were meant to be resilient in the face of stress, in the face of whatever. They haven't always been pretty. They're kind of blocky. Um, I mean, that's kind of 
1600s, 1700s design anyway. Uh, but they were meant to be resilient in the face of all of these stressors. Mm. And maybe that's something we need to start. That's the thing we need to start taking into ourselves. Yeah. 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 I mean, there, there's some other factors in there, but, but, but mm-hmm. it's definitely like, what, what, what was the focus right. and the purpose when, when they, when they set out on the design, I think that mm-hmm. really kind of carries forward to now and says mm-hmm. they were successful if, if that was their intent for it to last for a long time. And it sounds like it probably was. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That was deep. I didn't expect to be that deep. Well, occasionally it happens. It's tough with, with Ernie over there believing that he is dying. And I, I'm really he's sorry to everybody. Yeah. He's kind of like our live audience, you know, giving us a little <laughs> bit of feedback. It's cool. Yeah. Um, anything else? I think that's all I got for today. All right. Where can we find out more about you? Oh, probably the most ubiqu- uh, ubiquitous place mm-hmm. is Twitter. And I'm Miss Amy Toby, M-I-S-S-A-M-Y-T-O-B-E-Y. And I will have links for that. Yes. Cool. Uh, I'm on there a lot. It's probably the easiest place by far to find me. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I think that's where, I, I think I found you within like 30 minutes or so of uh, saying, oh, here's a new person and she's really awesome. And oh, here's a Twitter feed. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I no, use it I, a little bit. Yeah. Just a tad. Um, I'll link that and uh, there will, I'm sure there are other things. Um, thank you so much mm, for taking for some time me. out. Oh, absolutely. Great I, to see you again. Yeah. Great to see you too. And um, for the people at home, we'll be right back after this. thanks to Amy for coming on the show. It was uh, a joy as always to talk with her. And uh, I learned a lot, including um, the phrase thinky juice. So, which I am, I am short on. It was a long day at work and we're recording and I, you know, I still have stuff to do. So our word this week, completely unrelated to the interview is history. Because, uh, because, as you may remember from earlier in the show's history, Ursula went off on it for about five minutes, somewhat to the surprise of both her and Kevin. In my defense, my meds have worn off. Yeah, yeah. We talked about that, too. We did talk about, about the, the difference in, in medicated, unmedicated, and, and that's partly why Thinky Juice came up. Ah, yes. Yeah, it, it goes with cognitive capacity and, and a whole bunch of other stuff that was really cool. Mostly, uh, I, I will say... Uh, Wow, the the starkness of which I can tell when I'm, you know, on the meds and when I'm not, I'm like, how the fuck did I live like this? Coping mechanisms. Yes. All kinds of coping mechanisms. And the rest of us develop them too. 
<laughs> yes, it's true. You, you would have had to. So, uh, uh, damn, I must have been good in bed. Yeah. If, if, oh man. Um, <laughs> if you want to find out what to do with that badge code history, like we said, uh, go to productivityalchemy.com, click on the badge how to. I still have to update it uh, and take out the credly references, but it's been that sort of yep. week. And maybe with my four day weekend, after appropriate moments of reflection on Friday, uh, I can knock that out. Uh, if you want to find out how you can support the show, uh, there is a support section. What I am recommending right now is uh, we don't need money. We're good. Uh, share this and take whatever you would give us financially and give it to uh, bail funds. Give it to uh, food banks. Food banks uh, give it to the people who need it a hell of a lot more than we do. Yeah. And I think that's it for this week. Yes, because uh, there is a very beautiful hound pawing at me with her sharp little claws going, why are you not attending to beautiful hound's needs? And it's the time of year where it's like 8 p.m. and the sun is still up, so yep. uh, it's not even time to bring in the chickens. Uh, so I'm going to get to that, and uh, for the rest of you, I hope you have a good week, and uh, with everything going on, do your best to uh, stay productive. And frankly, at this point, staying alive counts as productivity. Oh, shit.